Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. All right, guys, well, let's get started uh, for our session. I know we had a brief break. Uh, It's good to be together. I think this is our first second morning session of the conference, and so uh, I'm excited and privileged to be with you. Uh, Thanks for coming to take part in our class. Uh, My name is Thomas. I'm the students pastor here at Oakland Heights, and uh, the experience that I have in youth ministry is from that. (laughs) And uh, nothing before it, uh, nothing more really, other than some uh, friends that I've talked to. And so uh, we're going to talk about what it looks like to mentor high school students. I'm using that word specifically, and I think, the I don't remember what the description to the class says, but essentially it's discipleship. But for the context of our church, we call it mentoring, just so we can have a difference in terminology when people are talking about what they're doing. Um, so I hope that this is informative to you today. Do you guys all serve with high school? So many ladies over here, I don't know. You guys serve in student ministry? You're just interested? Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, I'll uh, give you an overview. This is mostly going to be an overview of how it works for us and less of a Bible study. I only have a few verses, actually, so don't stone me, please. Uh, I like the Bible. I teach the Bible regularly, but I know here in this week you're going to get a lot of Bible, and that's great. And the morning session this morning was fantastic, man, just brilliant. So I'm glad for uh, the the other classes. My hope for this class is to just help you see what it looks like to mentor students. Uh, it, It could look different in your church. I just want you to know this is just what we're doing. And I think we need the freedom of God's Word and the Holy Spirit to apply that in your church, in your context, for whatever it looks like for you. So it can look different. That's okay. So I hope that it's, if nothing else, informative. Um, I don't know that it'll be deeply convicting or anything, but, you know, it'll be informative. So uh, let's pray, and we'll jump in, okay? God, we come to you this morning, and, uh, man, I'm just privileged to be uh, doing this. Uh, just where you brought me into my life to be uh, at a church that hosts a conference like this, to have a platform to tell people what you've done in our ministry. God, you know each heart that's here and the churches, ministries, families, people they represent. And God, I pray that you just use this time uh, to encourage them, to give them wisdom for what it might look like to help students in their church grow at the proper maturity level with where they are. I pray, God, that you guide me, use our time well, that I wouldn't just talk endlessly, but there would be purpose and wisdom to my words, and uh, that you'd knit us together now, uh, thinking about the next generation and how desperately they need you, and as Sam was talking about, how messed up their thinking is. God, I pray that you give us uh, the diligence, the discipline to get into their lives and to be an influence to them to bring them under your son Jesus to walk with you. So God, would you be glorified in this time? Use it. Amen. Amen. All right. So my handout to you, uh, does everyone have one of these? If you want one, they are outside the door and I'll get you 
somebody to get you one if you don't have one. There's no blanks. There's not a whole lot of stuff going on here. It is literally just printed out the document that I give to our mentoring people. Whenever uh, uh, I, we have a couple paired up uh, to do mentoring, this is what I give the mentor. I think the proper term is mentee for the other one. It's like a weird word. I don't even know how to use it. It feels like it's a strange word. So this is what I send to them to say, hey, here's what our mentoring program is like. This is what I expect of you. We've only been doing this for not even two years yet. So I came to Oakland Heights in 2017, and uh, I, so I described it to somebody yesterday. Um, the, the baton was on the ground. We talk about passing the baton from one person to the next. There was no one to hand me a baton when I came here. I'm not upset about that. I'm glad for my job. If someone handed me a clean and polished ministry and said, run it, I'd probably be bored. So I'm okay with fixing things and frontiering new ground. I like that. Um, so it took a whole year before we even branded our high school ministry. Uh, and I sought God, I prayed, and I fasted, and I believe that He showed me what He wants for high school students, and I think that's wise. If you end up at a new place, to just survey the land for a while, hear from people, figure out what's going on, what the culture's like. I came from the north to the south, so culturally things are a little different. Uh, and that's okay, it's good. I, God has really grown me and adapted me. Still, though, mostly high school kids' needs are pretty much the same. They're all in messed up schools. <laughs> Some of them messed up families, all kinds of things. It's pretty consistent. So we call our high school ministry grounded student ministry. We say that our goal is to establish students in the faith. I want them to have a foundation for what they believe in Jesus Christ so that when they go off to college, they aren't gone. Because statistically, I mean, if you're just honest, you'll get sick when you realize how many kids leave the church today. How many good kids in youth group just peace out in college. I think some of it's our fault. Some of it, the world has an allure. Some of it is choice. But it's more than 50% of kids that are in a youth group will not be in a Christian ministry or in church when they go to college. Um, it's really sad. And so I think... Mentoring, and the process of discipleship really is what it is, is an effective way to help establish them in their faith. For us, we meet on Wednesdays at 6.30 for our high school ministry. Next door, we've got a gym and all kinds of things are happening on Wednesdays. And for us, thankfully, high school and middle school are separate. And so I'm really glad for Chris Allred, who has just been crushing it in middle school, so that we can have enough age difference to talk about the appropriate age things. Um, and then on Sunday mornings, we have small groups. And our mentoring, just like discipleship, is outside of those regular meetings. But everything that we want to do in our student ministry is to establish students in the faith, give them a foundation. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Let me see. I've got to run my own slides, so let me see how this is going to work. Um, if somebody asked you, hey, do you want to mentor a high school student? What would you, how would you respond? I know I've asked people because I'm desperate, okay? This is just me. I had a fantastic discipleship experience. God just blessed me with a rock star discipler. God turned me inside out in discipleship, changed my worldview. I was an idiot. 
And I had to continue to grow. But man, I had a great time in my discipleship. So I want everybody to have a fantastic discipleship experience and likewise for mentoring. So I'm like always seeking out who would be a good mentor. And in our staff meetings, when we pair up adult disciples, you know, we slug it out for pairing names up. And I'm like duking it out for everyone to get a good discipler, right? No one wants to have a bum discipler, right? You guys been there? You've seen this. You know what I'm talking about? So whenever I ask people, hey, would you be interested in mentoring a high school student? Sometimes you get a response like this. They're like, so yeah, if you could not use me to train the new guy, that'd be great. <laughs> not everybody is interested in getting messy and dirty with the next generation of dramatic, inappropriate young people, right? Is that a good way to identify the... It's like eight, under 18. And I think it's honestly bleeding into 20s now, as we've seen, honestly, our college ministry be Youth Group 2.0, uh, which I'm thankful for a college ministry. I think that is one reason why kids don't stay in church is because you go from a really structured ministry to go play with the adults. And they're not quite adults yet. <laughs> they haven't moved out. They haven't figured a lot of things out. So it might be intimidating to have someone ask you to mentor a high school student. You know, with adults, we can kind of rap and get fresh and we can talk and it's like, what do you say to a 16-year-old kid who's just, they're not all there sometimes, you know? So I hope that this can at least give some groundwork for what it might look like practically. Um, I'm not gonna say exactly what each meeting with somebody should be like. Again, it's just how our program works. So let me give you this. This is a definition for what a mentor is. You guys are smart. You already know this. A trusted counselor or guide. And again, I'm using this word mentor on purpose uh, culturally to separate from adult discipleship because what we do is different. You can get mentored in high school and then you can get discipled as an adult. And I saw that coming in just with the freedom that I had to, Joe McCaig was the pastor when I came here and he said, the student ministry train isn't moving. Do whatever you need to do to get it moving. So I was like, yes, <laughs> thank you. Here's a budget, do whatever you want. Just please don't tell me what you're doing. Uh, I separated student discipleship and adult discipleship. It was kind of ambiguously the same thing. And I saw students getting done with MTT or D2 by the time they were 18 or 19. And I was just like, whoa, what just happened? That should never happen. You are not right. You did not absorb any of that. You're not ready for this. This is not okay. <laughs> Let's take a step back. You know, you're, you don't have anything figured out yet. And we now have separated those so that after high school, you go through cost of discipleship which we do quarterly or twice a year or something. And then you get into adult discipleship and then you get into MTT. And it may seem like, oh man, all these hurdles and all that sort of thing. And I think there's room, uh, if you have a new senior that comes in or something to figure some of that stuff out on your own. And maybe you can do it differently. That's just for us. Culturally, we needed the separation. It just needed to happen. So I have, I'll just pass a couple of these around. This is just what our uh, student book looks like. It's shorter than um, a traditional 16 or 18 
what are we on, 18 lessons? Me and Frank are on 11, so I don't even know how many total there are, right? He's going to correct me now. Are we on 12? Yes. We're on 12? Yes. <laughs> We're trying to be done by the fall so he can get into MTT. I'm very excited for that. Uh, so what high school students need, I think more than anything, and the book is important, we'll talk about our philosophy, is they need a mentor. They need a trusted counselor or guide. They need a relationship. And yes, they need God's word. There is no question we're not undermining the Holy Spirit, God's word, the church, etc. But you know, relationship breaks down with parents. Eh, 14 years old or so, everything just starts to fall off the rails. And we don't trust mom and dad like we used to. And listen, I hope that's not the case for anybody, especially for my kids. You know, we got to be besties forever, right? But I know that there comes a time when they're looking for connection outside of mom and dad. And I can't imagine a better way to support parenting and build the student up than to give them another person who's a trusted counselor. And I think that's a privileged position. And so we'll talk at the end about who can be a mentor, or for us anyway. You guys can set it up however you want to at your church. So how does mentoring work? I know there's a lot of words on the page. You can, if you can read and listen at the same time, you can do that. Otherwise, just take it home and read it later. Underline whatever sticks out to you. Uh, obviously, we want to grow people up to, people up to be believers, uh, followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. We're just using a different term in mentoring. Our goal is to invest spiritual maturity into young people. That's my goal is to grow them up spiritually so they can stand on their own two feet we want mom and dad, the church, we want other people to be able to be there for them. But ultimately, every Christian needs to be able to stand up on their own and just say, me, God, and the Bible, I can figure a few things out. I can stand against sin. I cannot be an idiot. <laughs> I can glorify the Lord in my life. So we want to invest spiritual maturity, which means we need some spiritual rock stars, people that are already doing that. So let's talk about what are successful markers of mentoring. It's kind of like if you've ever taken cost of discipleship, we have uh, marks of a good disciple. I think it's important if you're going to roll out a program, if you want to call it that, which at some level this takes maintenance. So 2017 I showed up, 2018 we rolled out a student ministry vision, 2019 we rolled out our mentoring program, and I honestly, I drug my feet. For a couple of years, I knew it needed to happen, and eventually, you know, I did what was right <laughs> and rolled it out. But I drug my feet because I knew it was going to take work to set up like what you see and to manage. Everything takes work to keep it running, to keep it going, to keep it spiritual, to pray for relationships. Right now, there are about 10 active relationships in our church. We have less than 30 students on Wednesday nights. So that's a pretty sweet number, I think. I'm cool with that. Like, we'll, we'll just keep hitting that number. That's totally fine with me. But it takes a little bit of maintenance. Like, Stephen is mentoring somebody. Hey, Stephen, how's it going with Dalton, right? Hey, how's it going? Are you, are you mentoring somebody? McKinsey, yeah, you're mentoring somebody. You're not mentoring anyone yet. We have uh, relationships that are ongoing right now. And it's every now and then we need a pulse. Hey, man, how, how's it going? And that's important, as we'll see later, we have a two-fold approach and there's a pivotal 
movement in the relationship that we want, I want to keep a pulse on. So it's going to take some work. So that was kind of my dragging my feet to just make sure that we did it right and I had the capacity as if you were just in the first session, Sam just said, you're only one person, you can only do so much and I have to temper myself. I'm over kindergarten to college and I have volunteers in place for a lot of those things but I can be spinning a lot of plates at any given time and I don't want this ministry to fail because I can't pay attention to it. So if you're going to set up a high school discipleship mentoring kind of program, program's not the right word to use, I know. Uh, somebody has to own it. Everything will fall off the rails if somebody doesn't have hands-on spiritual oversight to it. So let's talk about how can we know if it's successful. I have four markers that you'll see if you look at page two, the top of page two. They'll also come up on the screen if you can see that. These are things that I want to see from our students in high school so that we can say we're doing a good job. Because otherwise, we could just say, hey, we did mentoring. It was great. It was wonderful. Like, what did you, what did you do? What did you accomplish? We need some objectives. So these four things for me, and I'll break them down a little bit more later, is faithfulness, virtue, knowledge, and service. Listen, you can come up with these in any way that you want, okay? Let me just give you a lot of freedom right now. If you want to do this in your church and do a brand new thing, you can do it however you want. We're called to make disciples. There's a lot of ways that you can do that. There is no chapter and verse on mentoring high school students. That's why I'm not preaching an expository message right now. You can do a lot of things. You can do it a lot of different ways. I did hear somebody say, though, we did a combined winter retreat with some non-LFF churches, which is why I'm really excited to do combined LFF summer camp. And one of the other youth pastors said, Jesus was, was a youth pastor because all the disciples were, you know, like 12 or 14 or something. And I was like, Man, what? <laughs> I'm not convinced that Jesus was really a youth pastor. And I'm not sure of an exact place in the Bible for how to minister to youths. Maybe next year you'll come back and God will re reveal that to me and I'll teach that. But for now, you can lay this out however you want. If you're familiar, though, with Peter, where did I put it? Is it 2 Peter 1, 5? Why don't we just turn there real quick because we don't have very many Bible verses. We better read a couple before I get, you know, like never the opportunity to do this again. And I know that you probably already know this because you're not in... Was it called the foundations class? Which means you, you're familiar with the philosophy of discipleship where that comes from. 2 Peter 1.5 Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, etc. This is where we go to say that there are seven levels of spiritual growth, starting with born again baby, and then little child, and child, and young man, etc. We put these alongside those things, and then there's cool parallels with Israel and all that. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, take the philosophy of discipleship class or go find the videos. Uh, I'm sure someone's teaching it this week. But we start off in our walk with God. We just need faith. Add to your faith virtue. And then to that, we add knowledge. Service isn't one. I think service is important. I'll tell you why in a little bit. 
but our mentoring program is only designed to take you so far. You know, you won't graduate high school and be ready to be a senior pastor. <laughs> it's just not, it's not designed for that. I don't think it's necessary. We just need to get you some handles on your basic Christian life so you don't fall away when you graduate. So we'll break those down in just a second. I want to talk about our, particularly our philosophy for mentoring. We've developed what I'm calling a phased approach. And listen, I don't have, I'll just be honest with you. I don't have a lot of reference material. I don't have a lot of other pastors that I follow. Again, I don't have exactly chapter and verse for this. this a lot of this is from my experience in student ministry as I walked with God, not having youth ministry experience, coming here and saying, what on earth are we going to do? <laughs> Let's figure some stuff out. And I knew that people wanted this, and so I started mentoring a young man who became my prototype for our program. And a lot of what we have done has just been as God has led me one step at a time, we began to implement that for other people. And so this, I just, I hope it's helpful to you. It's just my experience, really. But the phased approach for me happened on accident. And when I say phase, I mean two phases that I'm calling, because it's got to line up with your vision statement, you know. Love and grow. The first one is to love, where we want to develop character and faithfulness. And then the second one is to grow, is to get deeper in your relationship with God. And for us, that means there, there are, there's a halfway point or a marker point in the relationship. The beginning of our mentoring relationship doesn't have a lesson. It's just you and the student. And you just meet. And you start hanging out. There's some examples in this material on what you can talk about, where you can go, what you can do. But you need to build the trusted mentor-guide-counselor relationship. I discovered this on accident as I sat down like we would with adults across the table with a high school student. All right, let's do it. And it was like really awkward. High schoolers, especially today, you know, they're switched on on their phones all the time. They don't even look across the table they're like, oh, you're looking at me. Oh, my gosh. There's social anxiety. Everything is weird with this generation. Like, it's just not. I'm a millennial, okay, and I'm not better than them. We're just different. But the younger people are different than us. They think differently, and I think it takes a little time to figure each other out. And I think this is even important in adult relationships. Hey, man, who are you? Why are we together? What do you like? Where do you work? Who are your parents? You know, well, all, the, all the stuff, man. you got to talk about the stuff. Because ultimately, we know in discipleship, it's not just a Bible study. It's imparting life to life, soul to soul which means they need to come to your house, if that's okay or appropriate. You can go to their house. You need to know their parents. You need to know what school they're going to. You need to go to whatever things they do when they play instruments or play games or whatever. You need to be in their life just like you would for a disciple. And so our first half in love, I have two goals. That, of those four things that we want to see, I split them in half. So in the first phase, which I'm calling love, we start with faithfulness. By the way, can I get like a tissue somewhere, a napkin? I just feel maybe it's the air conditioning coming down on me. Thank you. 
you're listening to the video, sorry you have to hear me blow, <laughs> blow my nose right now. So when we start our relationship, and it starts in the first half without lessons, the two goals that I want to see before they can move on into the second half, which is the privilege of learning more knowledge, is first of all, faithfulness. If you aren't around, we really can't do a whole lot. And you know this verse, right? 2 Timothy 2.2. Faithful men. Right? If you don't know this, let me read it for you. And the things... Oh, I think I have it memorized. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Right? The things that Paul taught to Timothy, he told Timothy to entrust in faithful men. And so your discipleship relationship or mentoring should be exclusive to a person who is faithful. And I think there's two ways that we could break down what, what, what is faithfulness. Well, for one, it's full of faith. You need to have faith in Jesus Christ. And I, there's an asterisk in here somewhere because I think you can get into the lessons as a tool if necessary because it starts with salvation. But we don't want to regularly do that. We want to figure out where people are, see if they're saved, walk with them. You, by being employed as a mentor, should be confident enough in God's Word to be able to share the gospel with them, to be able to do basic ministry counseling with them outside of lessons. You don't have to know everything. You just need to know the basics. But if they don't have faith, Amos says, can two walk together except they be agreed? In other words, if an atheist says, hey, I love your youth ministry. You guys have a lot of fun games. You've got a pool table up there, and you're up there talking every week. I'm not interested in that, but I like being here. Can I get mentored? Well, we can meet, but we can only go so far until we both agree the Bible is true, or you're at least coming to those conclusions. Oh, I'm interested. The Bible might be true. But if you're obstinate, well, you're not a good candidate for mentoring, just like somebody isn't a good candidate for discipleship. And the other one is, again, this is the first half without the books. I want to see virtue. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. So before you get the book, I just want to figure out, how are you doing? If you're faithful, if you have faith and you're faithful, that means you're present. And if you come to our student ministry, it means you're hearing God's word preached regularly with conviction, as I'm convicted under my own preaching, honestly. And it's usually too heavy for high school. I have to apologize. I'm like, sorry, it's a little much for you. But you're hearing God's word. And then for us now on Sundays, we're doing small groups based on what we're doing on Wednesdays. And just this last week was draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. We hung out for 30 minutes on that verse. That's not an easy thing to sit under when we talk about dealing with your sin. Oh, hooray. By the way, that won't build your youth ministry, okay? You want to talk about sin? Your numbers aren't going to be the greatest. I'm just saying. So it's pretty easy to say, what are you doing with that? If you want to be mentored, if you want to grow to the point to where we can get you these lessons, what are you doing with what you've already heard? And honestly, if you're just sitting in church on Sunday 
and you're coming to a small group or whatever midweek, you don't need more if you aren't applying it, right? We're only going to add to your condemnation if you don't do something, man. At least be trying. And so I don't think virtue in this, in our case, has to mean sinless. Because good luck with that. <laughs> I'm not sinless. But it has to, mean that they, has to mean that they are attempting to do what is right, and there is some evidence of that in their life. Yeah, man, you know, I do need to clean that up. I know I've been, yeah, I've been struggling with that. I haven't been reading my, I'm trying to read my, okay, all right. We can work with this. That, we can't perpetually be always maybe trying to read your Bible, but at least if you're convicted about it and you're attempting to, we're on the right path. We're doing okay. And again, we're talking about high school students, not like pastors on staff that you work with, right? It's different. So we have a pinnacle in the relationship that shifts from phase one to phase two, which right now, because we only have 10 relationships, we can manage each one of those, that I want to know how's your relationship going because I don't want you to get the books too early and just get started down the thing and be done. I want to, how's it going? Are you guys doing well? Are they, are they showing up? Are, are they convicted? Are they trying to get in the Word and trying to do what's right? And I think Dalton's a good example of that right now. He's here every week playing drums, and he's frequently saying, yeah, man, my friends are lost, and I'm trying to figure out how to share the gospel with them, and he's trying to, excited to be able to read the Bible with another person. I mean, yeah, man, you just need to keep getting to know each other, and you're, you're going down the continuum. That's great. But I do personally just want to manage the phase two thing. Listen, you don't have to do no book mentoring thing. You do whatever you want. For us, I find it's important because students are intellectually driven, academically required, and it's just homework. It's just another lesson. So you need the relationship. I believe that's the thing that takes it to the next level. Paul is a nursing mother was gentle and cared and fed churches. And we need to uh, allow that relationship to uh, be the catalyst. So let's talk about uh, virtue. Yeah, you already know what virtue is. The second phase. Are you guys with me so far? Yes, see where we're, we have plenty of time. You got any questions to this point? No, I didn't. Oh, it's okay. It's a good question. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, the question is, how do we choose the book that we have? And you guys haven't got the book yet, but you'll see the book eventually. It's eight lessons. I didn't actually choose because I don't have enough time to write the book, or I haven't managed my time well enough to write the book, however you want to look at that. I have a friend, uh, Kale Horvath, who's now a missionary in Hungary, who was the youth pastor at First Baptist Church New Philly, where I came from. And uh, Kale was just a fantastic youth pastor. He's just all the hip, hip, cool, trendy youth pastor guy. He was just in it. He did it. And he developed that book from what FBC had done, something like it in the past. He kind of made it his own. 
And for me, it was either sit down from scratch and write lessons, which I don't have time for, or outsource to a guy that I trust. And I went through it and modified a few things. Um, so we just inherited it. I am open to and would like to, in the long term, have lessons that are more suited to a high schooler stage of life. So that is basically eight lessons from adult discipleship condensed. Um, so you've got the Word of God, salvation, the Holy Spirit, prayer, uh, other Christians, that type of thing. Uh, those are all important. They're all good. But I would like to introduce something on like authority. I think that's a really big deal. Uh, parents, your employer, uh, people that are over you. Because, you know, at 16, you're just bent on rebellion. Some, some more, some less, but you're, you're figuring those things out. So I would like to customize it a little more for now. It's just the tool that was available to us. And I can send it to you, and you can have, you put your logo on it, do it however you want. Whatever. It's free. So, phase two is then the book, which I say is grow. So the first one in love, uh, we want to love God, we want to love other people, walk with Him, just figure out, let's try to do what's right. And then the second one is, you know, eventually we have to get off our butts and do something with our Christian life. It's not just your salvation story, but we need to grow. And students can't grow without the Word of God. Nobody is going to grow without God's Word. Desire the sincere milk of the Word that you would grow thereby. Right? That's what Peter says. As a nursing child, to desire the sincere milk of the Word because it's what's going to make you grow. And so your mentoring relationship starts without lesson. You build a relationship, but that doesn't mean you aren't talking about the Bible. Hey, what, how are things going? What's going on in church, etc.? But once they're proven faithful, now it is time to switch gears to being a teacher. You need to teach God's Word. You need to feed them. And so that's exactly what the book, booklet is for. And then uh, if they need to be growing in knowledge. Listen, if you can learn, I'm convinced, okay, tell me that I'm wrong. I don't care. I'll admit that I'm wrong if I am. If you can learn calculus, the Bible is not that hard, okay? It's easier to read the Bible than learn calculus. Any, anyone? Does anyone want to disagree with me? Maybe you're like brilliant, okay? Our students are, I don't know about you guys, they're learning, they're taking AP classes, they're taking, it's their sophomore year, they're taking college credit classes. Come on, tell me they can't learn the Bible. Tell, I'll fight you for that, honestly, man. I'm just telling you. That is dumb. It really is. Now, I, I, I'll just say this. Again, I don't really have scripted notes, so I'm just preaching. I was shook. I went to an Awana conference in Dalton, Georgia, and there was a, literally a guy, an old man with an eye patch preaching. And he said a short phrase that shook me, dude, because this guy was interesting. He was really, he was lit. He was a sweet dude. He was talking about teaching young people. He said, if the Bible's boring, it's your fault. And I was like, oh, gosh, I got to go sit down, you know. When you start to see kids' eyes roll in the back of their head, whose fault is that? 
there, now listen, there is sometimes a heart that isn't interested in, you know, mentoring will take care of that. You have to stop here if you don't want it anymore. But in general, we have to make the Bible interesting, because it is an interesting book. So in the last, I've never wanted to be a youth pastor. I've been I'm not upset with it, but I've been continually learning how to do it better. And in our last fall semester, I have timed my messages shorter, as short as I can possibly get them. It's so hard. But I've also started injecting YouTube videos and memes into my messages. And about every 10 minutes, you need some relief up here that's like, ah, okay, what were we talking about again? So if the Bible's boring, it's our fault. But the, these kids are learning hardcore stuff in school. There's a bunch of nonsense. Some of it, like Sam was saying this morning, some of it is stupid. But they're being tested on it. They're learning it. They're putting it in their brain somewhere. So when a student tells me, I can't memorize the Bible, I'm like, shut up. You know? <laughs> I don't say it like that. But honestly, you, you go to summer camp and you'll learn how to memorize the Bible because we're going to make it fun and interesting. We're going to challenge each other. It's going to be a competition. You're going to win or you're going to lose. And you don't want to lose because we're going to rub it in your face. You, so you can memorize the Bible. It'll be just fine. You can do it. You can memorize 10 verses at summer camp. It'll be easy. But we have to make it interesting. So kids need knowledge. They're just not going to get where they need to be founded in their faith, established in their faith, if they don't get fed. And so Hebrews 5 says it this way. Strong meat, talking about doctrine, belongs to them that are of full age. They're mature. And high schoolers are working on that. They're not there yet. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We can give them small bits of strong meat, and I find that they're interested. We just did a series on Noah, and we talked a little bit about numerology. Genesis 6, the number of man. Genesis 7, the number of completion. Genesis 8, the number of new beginnings. Genesis 9, fruitfulness. And it just lays out that way. It's amazing. And they're interested. They're like, whoa, that's crazy. It is crazy. They're like, what do other numbers mean? You have to wait to find out. They want to know stuff. That's kind of deeper stuff. Because we want them to be able to discern good and evil. Think for yourself. Go to God's Word and say, my professor says, but God's Word says, hmm, what is right? Because believe me, when, you go, when they go to UGA, or wherever they go for you, they're indoctrinated. Those professors have way more time and influence and brain space than we do with them. And there's a good chance that there's probably not a good church on campus. And there may be multiple ministries, and that's good. You've got to do something. But we have got to invest in them while we can. Teach them to discern good and evil, because they're going to go away to school. Lord help them if they go away to school, honestly. <clears throat> this, I'll just be real with you. As a shepherd, it's a terrifying experience to graduate seniors. And right now, our senior class is kind of AWOL anyway. It's, every class is different. But when you put them up on a big stage, we have graduation Sunday. Rah, 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 look at all your accomplishments. You are the master of your class. You are the back of whatever, all the stuff, right? 
What is what is a baccalaureate? Or, uh, and what are the words? Valedictorian. That valedictorian, salutatorian, whatever, all the stuff, right? Good job. Now get out. <laughs> Don't screw it up. It's so terrifying because most of them don't come back. So the influence we have, and I preach my guts out, I'm telling you, I'm not the greatest preacher, I'm not the most inspired preacher, but like I'm desperate for them to just hear what I'm saying, please. Because you don't know what the world is like out there, man, especially if you're going to college. And so I drug my feet for long enough getting something like this out, but the realization that my seniors were going away to school without a good church was like, crap. We have got to invest God's word in them now. Some of them may not get any further than this. And our hope is that as we plant, maybe one day some will water. And maybe one day they'll be like, I remember I shouldn't be doing this. That would be great. We can't affect them as adults when they're out beyond our grasp. But for now, like Sam said, we can tell them. We're responsible to minister to them now and to do as much as we can now. So we need to teach them. They need to know God's word. You need to be interesting. Don't be boring. Don't be offensive. I learned that in the South. You're not supposed to be offensive. But then service is my fourth one. So if you look at all four of these together, we accomplished the first two and you're just hanging out without lessons. You need to just be showing up. And if you're mentoring with them, hey man, I, haven't, I didn't see you Sunday. How's it going? You all right? And they need to be applying stuff. Hey, man, are you reading your Bible? What's God, what's God doing in your life? And then once you transition into the book, you're starting to teach God's Word. And then lastly, is your job, just like in big boy discipleship, or big girl discipleship, is to get them plugged into the church in some way. Because there is a danger of student ministry, that it is a detached ecosystem that students get into on Wednesday nights, for example, I have kids that come here that never come on Sundays, probably never will come on Sundays. And in some of that, I can't affect a whole lot. Like one kid goes to another church on Sunday, they don't have a youth thing, so he comes here on Wednesday. So it's like, yeah, you're come, it's fine, yes. But when you're mentoring a kid, you have the opportunity to help come alongside them and plug them into the body of Christ, members in particular, so that they have a place. And I'm taking the LFBI Children and Youth Ministry class right now. So I've been ministering for four years for students. I'm just now getting an education on it. <laughs> but they're even talking about kids, as David Allred is here, who's now starting to lead our, and Lori, our children's ministry. We're talking about that at a child's level so that a kid knows Hey, man, you're a part of something greater than just what happens over here next door. We're all in this together. And I think part of the fallout for students is that we're not integrating them into the church. We have isolated student ministries. And if you look at our student ministry, ours is called Grounded. G, Grounded Student Ministry. We have its own Instagram. It's got its own space. It's got its own vision. That's all great. But Grounded is a part of Oakland Heights Baptist Church. We're not some independent thing. We meet and still accomplish no grow and go, which is our church's vision statement. We don't have some spooky separate set of goals. I have things I want to accomplish in mentoring. That's fine. But ultimately, it all goes up to the same thing that the church is doing. 
But if you've seen this, there's a lot of flashy youth ministries out there. There's a lot of big boxed camps. There's a lot of programs, mentoring, internship, things that you can do. But they don't help integrate kids to where they can keep growing after high school. And like I said it earlier, I'll say it again. You go from a structured, very disciplined, regimented, me over it, student ministry, to, well, have fun on Wednesday nights at the prayer meeting where you know no one, and they're going to talk about things that make you uncomfortable. So I think we need to do our part now so that they understand where they're growing up to. We try to bring our college ministry into high school and say, hey, we're here. You have a place to go. But I gave some examples in the fourth marker of service, ways that students can be plugged into the church. VBS, we have kids ministry, preschool uh, events. Some of ours serve on the praise team next door. There's different things that they can do that don't require a whole lot, but that they can still be a part. And I think about Seth Stevens, who is a faithful dude in our high school praise band. Yesterday during service, he and two other young people, I think your daughter was in there, was in the preschool hallway in a class with kids. There were three classes and students had one, at least one class. So they only make up, according to our rule things, half a person, so we need double them to do anything, which is about right. You need two high schoolers to get anything really done. But they're doing something. There's a service integration culture where we're a part of this church. And listen, I don't think I do that well. I'm not gloating. I think we have a lot of room to improve on that. Uh, I'm open to figuring that thing out. I just want you to know these are my goals. Is that, are there any questions on this phased approach or the goals? Yeah. Yeah. It's harder with students because sometimes that age group, you know. Yeah. They've got a good heart, but yeah, the follow through. Yeah, for sure. Follow through is because honestly, for millennials and down, FOMO is a thing. Yeah. So everybody struggles to like follow through with what they're supposed to. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it is a good question, and I've only had a couple of examples of that so far. My experience is limited, just sharing with you what I know, um, of a couple people who wanted to be mentored and then just started fizzling out, and eventually we just had to call it. I didn't have a conversation with them. Their mentor did to say, hey, we can't keep meeting if you, can't keep, if you won't show up. <laughs> we this isn't going to work anymore. And then you know, most people just want to fade to black. If you're in sin and you're okay with it, you, you're cool with peacing out. I found that that's true of a lot of people. Uh, that per the particular experience I'm recalling in my mind right now wasn't someone who grew up in this church, so I think it's a little easier to fade to black than if your parents are bringing you. 
We have a captive audience sometimes because mom and dads are like, get in there, go, go learn things. You need that lesson on authority, right? <laughs> so you can't make them happen. I don't know. And each one is I, right now just a case-by-case basis. But in that case, I was uh, keeping somebody who was doing a good job tied up and just hanging out with someone that's out in space somewhere. And in an adult discipleship recently, we saw the same thing where a really, man, one of our best disciplers had somebody that was out on the fringe. And when you're slugging it out for good names, you're like, man, that's just got to go. I'm sorry. You need to just tell them they're done and we'll give them a new person. Um, Because, yeah, it is tough. I don't know that there's a right example of how to do that. Any other thoughts or questions at this point? Man, yeah, I'm struggling with that same thing all the time. How do I have the confidence of a high schooler without violating my trust to the parent? You know, without ah, which one are you ministering to? You know, it's it's really difficult. Um, Again, case by case basis for the level of importance of the information. If you're talking about self-harm, that type of thing, there is a mandatory report in ministry. You're obligated to not just tell the parent, but you're obligated to tell the law in the state of Georgia. So that sucks. You don't want to have to do that. But it's what's required. I've had to do something like that before, and it's awful. Um, I don't think that they're typically going to be that open, at least right off the bat. But you have to have their trust. And with the Holy Spirit, with God's Word, and with counsel of whoever is managing the mentoring program, hey, this is an issue that's come up. Do I, do I violate their trust to tell their parent? I think it's got to be a case-by-case basis. And I, I'm just, again, I'm sorry. I wish that there was like a perfect answer. Does anybody else have a, an answer for that? Austin, my man over here is a youth pastor. Yeah. Relationship. Yep. Um, and what I was going to say is in, in the ministry at Pleasant Grove, you know, if I'm meeting with a student, it's not going to be a one-on-one kind of meeting, especially if it's a girl, obviously. But even it's 2021. Yeah. Um, so how does that look like as far as if you're meeting a ninth grade, yeah. you know, guy? I mean, are you going to the park or, um, again, and then are you, are you going to their house with their parents? Is their parents being nosy? Um for me, um, to kind of stem off your question, is that parents, my nosy parents come to me and say, hey, what do they say? What do they do? And it's a fine line of saying, hey, you know, mm-hmm. if it's not self-harm, I'll use an example. I had a seventh grader. Uh, we, uh, this past Sunday, had a, uh, God just showed out and we all just prayed. We wrote stuff down on cards and we all got down on the altar. I had to contact the dad on Monday because the student turned in that he had, he was dreaming about murdering his Sunday school teacher. Wow. Um, and they, uh, as far as 
he was asking for repentance. Right. That was what his prayer called. When I went that Monday to read over and pray over these requests, he was asking forgiveness because he has bitterness in his heart for that Sunday school teacher. It was just a dream. Um, but he opened up. So that Monday, I'm getting that dad in the office, and I'm saying, hey, man, uh, this is what this looks like. Are you aware of this? And he was aware. Um, and he's actually been able to talk, and they've been trying to work through that. So that example there was a no-brainer. Hmm. Um, but there's a fine line of because mm-hmm. if you break a trust of an 11th grader, 12th grader, they're going to come right to you and say, hey, man, I can't believe you did that. And, mm-hmm. and your credibility is gone. Yeah. Whether you stand on the word or not, they don't trust you. Yeah. It's true, man. When you're dealing case with by case basis for us. Yeah, if you want if you value the relationship, you have to protect that intimacy because it's gone. When it's gone, it's gone. It's like I used to do jail ministry. So I went from jail to youth. Well, maybe one day I'll get to hang with adults, right? But in that, if you want to step in a room full of convicts and you want to gain their trust, you cannot be a narc. You, if they sense at all that you're going to talk to their probation officer, the judge, anybody, anywhere that's got anything to do with their sentencing, man, they are done with you. Because they, they're street smart. They know who to trust. And there, are, there is a level where we have to cross that line. And I think it's a case-by-case basis, obviously something like that. And maybe one day Austin will get up here and talk about this sort of thing. I don't know. I don't have the, the greatest answers for that. Any other thoughts or questions before we move on? I did want to ask you so. Yeah. Yeah. So what does, where do you meet? Right. So we do one-on-one. I know that might be terrifying in today's world. Um, it's probably not advised. Uh, I should probably do a better job of just admitting all these things right now. Uh, that's not probably not the smartest thing to do, but I don't know what else to do. Uh, we do small groups already where there's three or so people, five, and the vibe is way different when other people are around in high school. The peer thing is just different, right? And uh, I don't uh, say eventually in here somewhere that I'm not interested in mentoring ninth graders. Uh, there's just too much going on from eighth grade to ninth grade. It's like, get your head on straight and we'll talk eventually if you're interested. <laughs> just hang out with us, man. And so you're getting to the place where they might be able to drive and they can meet you somewhere. Uh, I almost always meet in public. Uh, I have had them in my car. One of my favorite things to do is, if they're trusted, if their parent trusts me, et cetera, is to go somewhere in the vehicle together. Because for me, uh, I don't know. I can meet across from the table from you, but it's a lot easier if we're like not looking at each other. I'm just saying. I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, that's just some of the best things because it's kind of non-confrontational. Right. And so you're not looking at each other. Yeah. 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 And I think that's what the mentoring portion, the beginning half should be is like for me, the, my prototype guy, we went to Ikea. Uh, we went, I'd, I'd like was always fixing something around here. Like, Hey man, you thought you were showing up for this today, but we're going to go and do this. And we just get in the car and go somewhere. But that would be drilling him the whole time. Hey man, how's it going? How's your family? What are you reading? And we're having those conversations, but we're not looking at each other. We're going down the road and we're more casually interacting. Um, so we do one-on-one. Uh, I'm open to wisdom. And I, again, that's not the same for every church. You can do it however you want. Uh, but we do have an application that the student fills out. And on the back side is our goals and what we're trying to accomplish. And the other side is all the information with a parent signature required. 
course, they could be little criminals and forge the signature, but uh, I want that paper to get to the parents' hands that's like, hey, this is what your kid's doing. I found this out on accident because I mentored somebody whose parents didn't come to our church, and they were like, who's that you're hanging out with? That's kind of weird. <laughs> Especially if he has a mustache like this, you're like, I don't think that this is a good relationship for you. I didn't have a mustache at the time. Uh, so now we have the slip that uh, parents acknowledge, yes, we'll be meeting, which to me is pressure off of the one-on-one -on -one thing. Um, and then I send the parents an email. I just started doing this. I'm progressively doing a better job. So hey, your, your student signed up for mentoring. Uh, here's this document with what that means. Um, here's the person that they're paired up with. Here's their contact information. They're going to be reaching out to them. Just wanted you to know. And so uh, starting with my last pairing, that's my thing moving forward. And in our church, we have enough people that know each other. We don't have a ton of outside students. I would like to have more, but, we but by the time you get to this place, we've figured out who most people are, and I think we have some trust. Does that make sense? All right, well, let's talk about this uh, transition so we can be done. When to transition, I think this is important. This is just my guidelines. Again, this is not the Bible. When do you go from, hey, we're hanging out, going to Ikea, to we're going to do some Bible study. I'm saying I want you to be meeting for three or four months at a minimum. You got to just get to know each other. That takes time. Go do stuff, man. I don't care. Go play basketball. Do whatever. Do stuff. Talk, though. Do it. Uh, I think just to put a number on it, 10 or 12 times, man, you need to have gotten together to just, hey, man, you're hanging. You're doing whatever. You're getting to know each other. I think the student needs to be saved with an asterisk. Case-by-case uh, -case basis, we'll figure out what that looks like for a lost person. They need to be regularly be attempting to read their Bible. <laughs> this is not that hard. You just need to read something and have something to say about it and build the discipline of doing that. They need to be accountable and willing to change. I think this is perhaps the most interesting and most powerful one is if you don't have a willingness to grow, you can't go on to the grow stage. Just if you're not changing anything now, we will case by case fizzle, fizzle it out. And then they need to be faithful to our student ministry. If you aren't showing up, we're not going to give you your own little private priest. Are you guys reading through the Bible? Who's doing 52 weeks or 365? You guys doing that sort of thing? Are you in Judges yet? Anyone? I don't know how far we're supposed to be. Okay, so if you come across the guy, forget his name, where he had uh, these idols and he found a Levite and he's like, hey man, come and be my priest. I'll call you father, right? You'll be my little private priest guy. Well, that's not what we're doing. You need to be in church. This isn't your one time to worship with your mentor. You need to be plugged in. And then lastly, both parties need to be comfortable. You need to know each other and the relationship. I already told you about how to sign up that I have uh, just, just a tiny little application. Now, who can be a mentor? This is, again, this is for us. You can do whatever you want. Where am I? Am I lost in my own paper? There we go. All right. So here's a meme to keep you alive. One does not simply become a mentor. 
Because I have high school seniors who graduate and they're like, sweet, I get to boss my peers around now. I get to be a mentor. I get to invest in you. And it's like, no. No. I'm selective with who's a mentor, just like we are with discipleship relationships. I don't know about you guys, but I'm picky. I'm prayerful. I'm intentional. I want to ask, hey, how are they doing? If, they're already, if somebody is wanting to be a mentor and they're serving in another place to go to that ministry leader, how are they doing? If you're not faithful in Awana, running games, I'm not giving you a 16-year-old who's going to have more problems than that, okay? Way more complicated. So this is just my list for who can be a mentor here. I think it's good to separate the age a little bit. If you're 19 and you want to go mentor somebody who's still your friend, it might be okay, especially if you're in a small church, you know. You can figure that out, but I just got to put a number on it. And I'll break my own rules when it's convenient, but... I just need to put a number on it. I require that you're a member of Oakland Heights. Okay? If you're not one of us, you're welcome to come and participate, partake in our things, but I'm not giving you real responsibility if you're not a member. Uh, th that person, do you want to be a mentor? They need to be faithful to church and small group. You can't ask somebody to do something you're not doing. And our first thing, you remember what the first one of the four was? Faithfulness. So you want to be a mentor, you want to invest in somebody, you can only pour out what you've got in. And if you're not hanging out with your peeps, you can't tell them to hang out with their peeps. It's just not going to work. I want a mentor to be discipled at least. Or I have one right now who's almost done discipling, and I gave them a mentor, but they were very, very faithful. Um, and I think it's right. But if you haven't been discipled, this is my, ba just to let you know, this is my basis for doing almost anything in ministry. We don't want to set the standard like crazy high, but I think discipleship is like, you should be able to like, okay, now let's do some stuff. And if you can't get discipled, I'm sorry, man. Go have fun doing something else. You might call me, I am still from the north. You might call me a jerk. I really don't care, yeah. drummers and singers, you know, just running rapid if they can hold a pitch and, and they're faithful. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not just going to let anybody get up there. Mm -hmm. um, so how does that, yeah. how does that work? It's a great question. So the student band that we have now, uh, I think all but one is being mentored. I got a freshman batch of people. I had a sweet student band. Hey, man, we were jiving. We figured each other out. They all graduated the same time. So we started over, and I was on the stage with a guitar like, <laughs> okay, guys, let's do something. So at some point, it is like, hey, we just got to do it. Let's do it. Uh, but I expect out of whatever we're doing, it's going to be spiritual. I'm still a sinful man, but I try to walk with God. And so if you're going to be on the praise team leading other people, I require you to not be an idiot, okay? Just be working on not being an idiot. That's fine. We'll figure that stuff out. So right now, at the beginning of every band practice, we sit down off of the stage, away from musical things, 
and I say, how are you guys doing? And then I go around and say, what are you reading? And I told him, I have grace for a while, but you, if you're not reading your Bible, you're not going to sing. So you don't have to read ten, one, a couple chapters a week, whatever. I would rather you read more, but that's fine. You have something to say. Good. And some of them, they know, literally, they know that meeting is coming and they will read before practice. <laughs> but they read their Bible. Like, okay, we're, this is the expectation. When I first came in to student ministry and didn't, you know, feeling a lot of things out, starting to build things, for one, I didn't have this. But for two, I couldn't immediately require it because I already had people serving, things going on. And so I think there is a progressive nature at which you roll it out to say, this is the end goal is if you're going to serve in a leadership capacity as a student, you need to be in mentoring at least. You don't have to be successful at it and be done. You just need to be accountable to somebody else other than me. Uh, so you can figure that out for yourself right now. That is, I told them at the beginning of the school year, you're on the stage contingent upon your willingness to be mentored. It doesn't have to be right now but I expect that that will be done. And I have one right now, who, the last one, who's like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing that mentoring thing. And I was like, yeah, that'd be good, man. You, sh you should do that. And secretly, I would like to mentor him. Just saying, I don't know that I will, but I love him. Um, so a lot of these things are progressive. When you're working change and you're implementing a program or a ministry, we want it a clean cut to make it all done. But I just told David and I were on the phone last night talking about children's ministry and just said, this is just me. Okay, call me an idiot if you want. In the last six months or so, I have realized not all of my ministries will be perfect. I know. I just figured it out. <laughs> but I thought, yes, we'll get children's ministry run and we'll get students ministry, a college, everything will be all great. We'll just work on it all and fix it all. And there will never be a time where it doesn't need me or God or, and our leaders and all the other things, right? It's never going to be perfect. So it's progressive how you implement change, and we have to be gracious, and some things take several years to change, and it is difficult to have the fruit of the Spirit, which is patience, you know? But I think having a goal and communicating the goal is, is a big deal. Was that, was that good? Okay. Uh, what should you be doing? Any other questions? To the, does that spark anything for anyone? What do you, are you fairly balanced or are you lacking in an area such as, like, do you have a bunch of students waiting to be mentored that can't? Or do you have a bunch of mentors that just don't have any students that are interested? Or is it pretty level right now? Yeah. Uh, right now, everybody's paired up that I have. Uh, no one's in the queue. And that pretty much maxes out who I think would be a good mentor, too. So I kind of can't, don't have more capacity, really. Uh, but sometime last year, I think I had three people in the queue that I was prayerful about who can be the right person. And Stephen's one of those guys that I was like, hey, man, he was my first mame. Hey, you want to be interested in training the new guy? And he's like, mm-mm. <laughs> and then I said, okay, you go get with God, and you come back and let me know how you can tell him no. And... Here he is in this class right now. Uh, I, love, I love Steven. All the mad respect. He's so uncomfortable right now for what I'm talking about. Uh, but I think right now I'm about one-to-one. -one. And most of the people that are faithful people are interested in it and being mentored. We have only have a couple, what, two that we've finished? Three now. We've only got like three people through it, so 
it's all, everyone's a prototype, really. Yeah. All right. So what should you be talking about? I put this in here just as some examples of things. I don't really think that I need to help you a whole lot with that. Uh, what do you say when you get together with a high schooler? What's your favorite Twitch guy? Or who's your TikTok man? Or what? I don't know. Listen, I try to be cool, okay? I'm just not cool. Okay, I wear the skinny jeans because I'm supposed to. My wife tells me to, but like, I'm not that cool. And I don't have enough time for social media. Honestly, my brain, I can only handle so many things, and I don't have time to be on social media. I get on it a little bit just to be present, and then I'm like, ugh. It sucks you in, it takes up your thoughts, you see stuff that makes you irritated, and you see your students post things, and you're like, holy crap! <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of time to pray on social media, right? I, I digress. I'm not really that cool. So, and your mentoring isn't about you being cool. When I got discipled as an adult, and we need to be cooler for students, I think, but as an adult, I met with a guy who was about 65 years old, and I was 23. So we had nothing in common, literally, except for God's word. The purpose of our relationship was the only thing we had in common. That was all we needed. Honestly, man, that was it. To this day, still, we, don't, we didn't do any sports thing. We didn't care about anything else other than that. Now, for kids, you're going to have to get interested in some other stuff, go to their games, etc. But the purpose of your relationship isn't just to be the cool friend. But these are some good question starters, man. How's it going at home is a great question because they'll tell mom and dad one thing and they'll tell you something else. <laughs> and we're supposed to care about them and not just inject them with, with information. So those are some examples of questions. And then I already told you my target audience, the last thing, is 10th and 11th grade. This is just me. You do whatever you want. I find that freshmen... Don't have a clue, just not ready yet. Just, you know, just spacey for a while. And we love them, we want them to be present. Um, I, I want freshmen to come in every year, I'm buying the freshmen a Bible and a gift and a thing to say, welcome to Grounded, you're here, you're one of us, but you know, have a seat and we'll figure it out next year. And then when you get to the senior year, if that's when you get started, because I, I started with a senior in the beginning of his senior year, it's not enough time to build a relationship effectively and get through discipleship material. Frank and I have been doing, I'm not ashamed of this, but it is a strange number. Three years we've been discipling. And there's a whole story behind it. If you want to hear, come hang out with us. But it takes time sometimes to get through lessons, to get through things. I'm not saying this needs to take three years, okay? Don't do that. A year is probably good. But the senior year, there's so many things happening, and by the time May rolls around, nobody cares, okay? If you're in student ministry, you know. When the school year is almost done, I mean, they're on the edge of their seat. They're hardly showing up. They're not paying attention. Their brains are fried because they're doing all the testing that the government wants them to do. So you don't have a full year if you start in the senior year. However, if, like me, you realize this person's about to go away to a secular school without a good church, I have to get them something. You know, you need to do something. 
expedite it if you need to so that they have some handles. But my ideal goal is that 10th and 11th grade, we have plenty of time in the sweet spot to form their little brains to get them situated in the Word of God. That's all I got for that. Um, I hope this was helpful to you. If not, at least you know now what we do, and you have the freedom to go do it differently or better than us. Um, are there any more questions you guys have? You may have answered this, but if you're doing a mentorship, like I'm in discipleship with Ingeni, so then I wouldn't be doing mentorship and that, like, those kind of things, right? So if you're doing mentorship, you're not doing discipleship, discipleship, discipleship because they both... I know in our church we ask that you don't do it during a service or anything like mm -hmm. that. So, like, we're with Annie, like, once a week. So there wouldn't be that mentorship, too, because that's two nights? Or yeah. What's that look like? Sorry. Yeah, I think you can if you have the capacity for it. But I don't think most people do. I know I have. I mentored somebody, and probably part of the reason why me and Frank have taken so long is to actually care about two people. I know I care a lot. Two whole people. But you know, like you're prayerful for them, you're texting them, you're interested in them, you meet with them, you remember what you talked about last time. <laughs> you're engaged in their life. I, maybe it's just me in my capacity. I struggle to have more than one, and that's why I want to take on a mentor, right, mentee right now. But I, it's a struggle. So I think if you have the capacity, you can do both. But has anyone ever discipled two people at once? Is it brutal? It's brutal. So I would say no. And I think mentoring is a good opportunity to teach someone to disciple. There's less pressure at first. I don't know. Depending on how you look at it. High schoolers could be intimidating. But. Any, any other questions? All right. Well, thanks for your time. How about let me pray and we'll get out of here. And now, say this in conclusion. <clears throat> Now that you've been a part of this class, whatever it's meant to you, I don't know. You can at least be thinking about maybe you could mentor a high school student. Whether you're here, just come talk to me. Dan, I'm going to come for you because you do fantastic with high schoolers. So just letting you know. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, hang on one second, dear. Huh? I said hang on just one second. Oh, no, it's fine. Sorry. Okay. These are my kids and my wife. Hi. Eventually we'll get there. All right. Hey, bud. But anyway, maybe you'll find yourself now uh, wanting to do that. Let's pray. God, I pray for each person here. You know their hearts. You know their experiences. You know how they can connect with other people, adults, kids, wherever you put them. Uh, God, I pray that you'd help them to invest what you've given them into others. And I pray that you'd be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.